Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Chef Jonathan Benno from Cafe Leonelli coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Ken Bridge is at it again. The owner of Delicious Concepts has flipped another one of his restaurants. Uh, A couple weeks ago, it was Ritual, which is becoming a Korean barbecue restaurant. This time, it's Shepherd Park Draft House, which as of this week is now the ZZ Top-themed Tex-Mex restaurant, Trace Amigos. Mary, let me just throw it to you. I have to admit, I never made it to Shepherd Park, so I don't really have any sense of whether or not this is a loss for the neighborhood, but I did get a chance to preview Trace Amigos, and I dig it. What do you think about a ZZ Top-themed Tex-Mex joint? Um, For full disclosure, I grew up in a building where one of the members of ZZ Top lived, and I am all for it. Can we can we say which member of because Billy? I'm gonna Gibbons, say the one with the really long beard, Billy. Yeah. So so Billy Gibbons is not a financial partner in this, uh, but he and Ken Bridge are friends, and I guess uh, he contributed some ideas to the menu. It's a really simple sort of thing. There's basically uh, combination plates, right? You can get an enchilada, a crispy taco a tamale or a soft taco with either beef or chicken feet in it in various forms. And then they have a burger because, you know, this is Houston you have to have a burger. And then it's the decor is all, you know, ZZ top concert posters, framed t-shirts, a couple of guitars. I mean, it looks, you know, it looks great. And of course the soundtrack is all ZZ top. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just fun. I, I had the chance to preview it. I thought the food was good enough, right? This is not revolutionary Tex-Mex. You know, it's not going to get you off of uh, El Tiempo, but it's also, you know, a combo plate with two items on it is like uh, 10 or $11. I mean, I'll try it. I hope the food is good. Anything ZZ Top themed, I think will do well in Houston, but uh, the food's got to be there. So let's hope Hope that it is, but the price points seem fair. Yeah, and a and a nice addition, you know. And Garden Oaks obviously is blowing up right now, so this is just another another new thing for that neighborhood. Yes, indeed. All right. Topic number two. Speaking of Garden Oaks blowing up, Doubt Elshani and Chef Jeff Hunt are partnering on a new restaurant for the former Liberty Kitchen space, the Alba Craft Kitchen and Cocktails. People may no doubt he is the proprietor of Underground Food Hall, the former conservatory downtown. He was involved with the Salt and Pepper Group for a long time, so he opened places like Beer Market and the Moonshiners and Boots and Shoots. And he was with Buffalo Bayou Brewery when they opened their new location and restaurant. Chef Jeff Hunt is with uh, Local Foods and Benji's for a long time. He worked for Monica Pope. So the vision is a kind of family-friendly, casual neighborhood restaurant with an Italian-ish menu, pizza, pasta, Gulf seafood, fresh local vegetables, all of that. I don't know. Mary, what do you think? Is this the, is this the sit-down dining experience that Garden Oaks needs? It could be. Garden Oaks is growing rapidly. Um, its density is cer- certainly increasing for young families that want to move here, so the more restaurants that come online and will service this community really well. Um, I think this will do well. I'm excited to see what they, what they have. Uh, I think they have to be considerate of price points for this community, right? If people want to go out with their families, it still needs to be affordable. Well, that's the one thing I think that is most encouraging is that they say they want to price it in a way that people could go even two or three times a week. So, you know, 
I, I don't think you'll see like forty dollar entrees. I think you'll see you yeah, know, keep the entrees affordable. Right. Instead of a ribeye, you might see hanger or skirt, so that that steak entree is twenty five bucks instead of forty bucks. You know what I mean? I'm taping the show as I've just left a tasting at Portavino over here off of Washington Avenue, and their price points for their food are really reasonable, and so is their wine. Right. So if they kind of carry on a similar model, they'll do great. Yeah. Well. Right. I mean, I. I mean, Portovino is like a wine destination, BYOB, all that. Like, I don't think this is going to be that. But my my first thought was, if it's if it's sort of priced in the same way that Polly's is priced for Montrose, yeah. twelve to sixteen bucks, eighteen right. bucks for most dishes, with a couple of outliers that are more expensive, they'll they'll do great. Right, with a big patio and a good cocktail program, and and you know, Dot's been showing people a good time for roughly the last 10 years. So he definitely knows how to how to build a following and bring a crowd. I thought it was funny when I interviewed him. He's like, well, yeah, all of my friends are getting older. They're married. They have kids. They're moving to Garden Oaks. So of course, as I Lame. get older, you know, well, of course, like he can't keep opening nightclubs. You know, it doesn't really make sense to be in your 30s or 40s and opening a nightclub. You open a but restaurant. You're not going to Clay Inspire on the weekly? Uh, I'm not. Other people are welcome to. I make no judgments about how other people spend their time and money. Fair enough. But I do get why, you know, Doubt getting a little older would see this as a real opportunity. I agree. It's a good location and I think they'll do well. Very good. And then finally, Ben McPherson, who has been on the show before, announced that he has developed a fast casual version of his bravery shuffle concept bow pizza and pasta this is called bow slice obviously mm-hmm. it's pizza by the slice and salads it will open the first location in the railway heights food hall which is coming to the north end of washington avenue very near where you are right now this is true uh this <laughs> summer and uh yeah i i mean you've been mary you've been to bravery right what do you think of the uh, pizza at bow pasta and pizza I mean, I'll probably do well. I think there's a lot of food halls at this point. I think the market's pretty saturated, but depending on location, it could do well. I am super slutty about my pizza choices. Angela from Angie's Pizza is holding it down, down. So that is, that's just how I judge every pizza that I taste from here on out. Does it, does it compare with that? Well, let's just say. Right. Angelo is doing a sort of modified Neapolitan style. It's my favorite. <laughs> ben is doing Ben is doing a Roman style uh, pizza altaglia. And, and I think actually what's interesting about this is that it's a build your own style concept. So he'll have a whole bunch of really great toppings, whether that's, you know, uh, prosciutto di Parma or Parmigiano Reggiano or whatever. And that the dough is sort of sturdy enough to serve as a platform. Like this week, he's introduced a special with chicken shawarma from Craft Pita, you know, and Rafi Nasser's another another restaurateur that's been on the show before. I love the collaboration culture in Houston. He's going to do another one with Ryan Lashane. He's done them with Blood Brothers Brisket. I just I think that's really interesting, right? Because people can come in and get exactly what they want on their individual slice, and then. You know, he's brought on a, another chef to kind of help him grow it. You know, they see opportunities in the suburbs where there aren't as many pizza choices. So, yes, your affection for Angie's is well documented both on the <laughs> show and on your own social media. Yes, it is. But I do think that this is a very interesting development for Ben and a smart way to grow Bo beyond its sort of food hall roots at Bravery. The suburbs are thirsty for options. Okay. So they'll do great. As long as they're delivering quality product at a decent price, they will absolutely kill it in the suburbs. So they will do great. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Mary, I kind of rushed through the news of the week because for the restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about March. This is the new fine dining tasting menu restaurant from Goodnight Hospitality, which means 
chef partner Felipe Riccio, June Rodil, the master sommelier, who's also a partner in that business. Maybe no restaurant that's opening this year has been more eagerly anticipated or will be more closely watched because we have fine dining restaurants in the city, but maybe nothing quite as elevated, especially in a tasting menu format as March. So let me just throw it to you. Let's start with kind of decor and experience and details like glassware, linens, all that stuff. What did you think about March from that perspective? I mean, if you want an experience that's bespoke and the best of the best in terms of glassware and level of service and presentation, this is it. Um, every, every wine glass we had in our tasting, we did the pairings, uh, was a Zalto glass, which, you know, that's, that's not a type of glass you're going to find at a lot of restaurants in Houston, maybe Papa Steakhouse, maybe a couple of others, but um, their presentation was on point. Uh, Alex Negranza is running their bar program. I don't know the names of the glassware that he used. We had a martini to start. Uh, we also had an aged Negroni that he made us. But that glassware presentation was really beautiful. And it's a pretty space. They spared no expense when it comes to presentation. So they, they definitely knocked it out of the park on that point. Right. There's, there's this really cool contemporary art on the walls, whether it's paintings by different artists from different parts of the world or that really elaborate sort of carpet installation in the private dining room. It's a $500,000 tapestry. It's stunning. Beautiful. <laughs> I will take your word for it on the price. I don't think they have officially disclosed that. Half a some, mil. It's uh, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will tend to believe you, although I will, I will note for the audience that that is uh, not an official number from Goodnight Hospitality. Very pretty. Yes. And, and, I, I like that it's a second floor space, right? You, you either climb the stairs, or you take the elevator, you open up into this room and it just feels like you're sort of being taken away from, you know, the normal sort of hustle and bustle. You start in the lounge, you have the, the welcome cocktail, which is this infused vermouth. There's all these little snacks, you know, a little bite of foie, a little, a little caviar, a little mushroom. And and it's, you know, you spend maybe 15, 20 minutes in the lounge and you sort of relax. And then they take you into the dining room. The dining room is very elegant. It has this open kitchen, you know, these, these comfortable chairs, these custom tables. And you just, everything about it just sort of lets you know that you're in for a very special experience. And then you get into the food. We did the full nine courses and, and I should say, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, we did not pay for the food or the wine pairings. You ordered a bottle of champagne that we did pay for, and we left a very generous tip. So just so the, just so the audience sort of knows uh, where we're coming at from that perspective. But we did the nine courses with the pairings. Do we know what the nine course with the premium pairings, what that would run? Yeah. So nine courses is $195. Standard pairings are $85 and the premium pairings are $195. So dinner for two, nine courses with the standard pairings tax and tip runs about $700. And I, I want to talk about that at the end, but okay, but that's fine. I want to focus on the food. What, what courses stood out for you in particular? The tuna belly for me was, I will give full credit where credit is due, it was the standout dish of the meal. And I really think it holds up to as good as anything as I've had in the city this past year. Um, you know, yes, it's hard to mess up a tuna belly as long as you cook it correctly, but the pairing with the sauces and the presentation was really, really good. And it was a nice, um, for me, what stood out is it's what transitioned us from whites to reds. They paired it with a Chateauneuf de Pop. Uh, and I thought that was a really good pairing for that dish. So it helped us transition. Uh, beautiful pairing, great presentation, really beautiful dish. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think the whole meal flows really well. I mean, it starts with that legume salad, which comes from with the ingredients that come from their farm. You get that snapper crudo with the really precisely cut uh, apples on it. 
Um, I agree with you. I mean, the tuna, I mean, that tuna dish might be the dish of the year, you know, expertly seared just a little bit comes with those sauces, that olive for the sort of briny effect. Um, and then, you know, the meal, the, the last savory course is that sous vide short rib with the beet pave, you know, these really thinly sliced layers of beets. You get all that umami, you know, all the sort of big beefy flavor from the short rib. It's such an impressive combination and so thoughtful. And, you know, I, I had very high expectations for the meal and it, it absolutely delivered. I think for anybody who walks in this building, they will, obviously you're not price sensitive. Once you've booked this reservation, you're happy to be there. You know, kind of what the costs are and everything else. So if you're looking for an experience, I think you're going to be transported to a place that nobody else is doing this type of food. Um, I was curious about the origination of this menu of, it was North African, uh, European was the twist, Mediterranean. And I am curious where their inspiration draws from. I don't know who lived there or worked uh, in this region, but I thought they did a nice job um, for their dishes that they served on this menu. And I'm curious as to how often uh, the region changes for the tasting menu, because you're going to want to compel people to come back time and time again. So I don't know if that changes once a month or once every season or how often they're going to rotate through. Right. I, I do think that that is interesting. And the, the restaurant's name doesn't refer to a, a month. It refers to sort of the intersection of regions. So, you know, they do this, uh, they do this one dish that's a, it's a Moroccan style terrine, but it's made with, you know, it's, it's named by it's named for the fifth quarter in Rome which is like a, you know, a sort of area for common people. And so it uses, you know, pig's ear and lamb's heart instead of uh, more luxurious ingredients. And so, you know, they, they want to sort of talk about the way that these various Mediterranean countries sort of intersect and influence each other, which I think is really interesting. But I mean, I do agree with you, right? Felipe worked for Austria, a lot of yeah. right. Arguably the most, celebrated Italian restaurant in the world, you know, I, I want to know when he's going to do, you know, really upscale Italian tasting menu. Uh, but I think in some ways, like it's interesting to sort of start with something a little more unexpected and let diners get used to the experience. And then, you know, cause they can always come back and do different Italian options later on. Absolutely. So the one other thing, before we get into the price, the one other thing I want to ask you about is you are uh, one of my friends who travels a lot. You make regular trips to New York. Where would you sort of rank this as a dining experience compared to maybe some of the, some of the restaurants in New York that it's sort of clearly modeled after? Oh, this is tough. Um, you know, in New York, the chefs have a lot of pedigree. I mean, they have been chef de cuisine or executive chef or sous chef or restaurants all over the world before they come back home to places like Per Se or Danielle or Le Cucu. Um, so the resumes hit really hard. And uh, I think the team that they've assembled here has a lot of experiences from places like 11 Madison Park, from EMP and from a lot of other great restaurants, but from the kitchen, they've got to be able to hold the weight of these New York stars and they'll be judged accordingly. So the consumer will decide whether that holds up um, to the, to the pedigree of New York and people are really picky. Um, I think the presentation of this space presents as well as any restaurant in New York. It certainly feels incredibly elevated it feels like a la bernardin it feels like a per se it feels like unfortunately four seasons has closed but four seasons was a 40 million dollar build out incredibly elegant i had the chance to go there and dine there with julian uh, it definitely holds up to those levels in terms of interior in space and uh glassware you, you go to mileino and gramercy park and you know, I have dinner with Peter Wasserman there and Zalto is the de facto glass when I sit down at a table with Peter. So it holds up to those standards. Um, in terms of the pedigree of the staff, people will pay attention to that. 
and the food better deliver consistently for people that are willing to to swipe through but the space itself feels as good as any new york space and honestly more socially distanced than than most this restaurant currently under covid has seven tables and then a private dining room so you you feel that you're not you know elbow to elbow with the table next to you which for this price point you absolutely shouldn't feel that way right and we talked to felipe and i think once their staff is fully vaccinated they have maybe two more tables they'd like to add to the room so even then it's never it's never going to be crowded right this is this is a bespoke experience and you'll have plenty of room between tables and i you know you you mentioned sort of briefly the transition from white wine to red wine occurred at the tuna course i i do not have your wine knowledge but i was very impressed by the pairings in the sense that i like when you you take a bite of a dish and then you sip the wine and then you take another bite of the dish and you the wine the experience of sipping the wine brings out flavors in the food that you wouldn't have tasted otherwise yeah i thought they did it i thought they did a nice job with the pairings yeah uh, in ter- in terms of transitioning as well right and the the wine list has 11,000 bottles so it's a it's a deep very the deepest cellar in Houston, minus Riverworks Country Club and Papa's Steakhouse. I mean, they've got the goodies. I think the wine list is 84, 88 pages. Something like, yeah, it's something like that with all the spirits and everything. It goes on. It goes on forever as far, you know. And and they have the staff that's knowledgeable enough to guide you through it. And I hate to tease this, but I'm, I'm going to tease it. We ordered, we pre-ordered. I was in New Orleans on my way back uh, into town, but I was able to take a look at the list on my way back and pick a bottle for us. And I picked a bottle that's hard to get in general. I picked a bottle of Savart uh, Champagne, La Vitura, grower Champagne, great producer, hard to find. Um, we paid $110 for that bottle, which is a really fair price. That's about twice retail. So that's a, a three times markup. And that was that was more than fair for what we were getting and the experience that we were having. Uh, they definitely had a higher markup on some other bottles, but I feel like for the experience you're getting, that was fair and you were getting access to something you couldn't get almost anywhere else in town. Right. And then I, I, I do think we should talk about the price again. It, my, my attitude about these sorts of things is sort of in for a penny and for a pound. Right. If you're if you're going to get the reservation and they're nobody cares once they walk in the door, they know. Well, especially on the weekends, they're mostly booked. So, you know, you if you go and with the knowledge that most people will probably only go at most once per menu. Right. If you're unless you just fall in love with some of the dishes. But so for me, can you Uber eats any of those dishes. You cannot. (laughs) You cannot, but, but, you know, the difference between $145 for the six course or 195 for the nine course, I think, you know, you'll pay the difference. Uh, And then, you know, whether you're enough of a wine lover to justify the pairings or not. Here's, do they announce their prices for the menu online? Because I told a couple of people that I went there and they looked it up and said they couldn't find it online. Oh, I don't know. It was in the press release. uh, And I know that, and when you book on, resi you pay in advance so it definitely tells you how much it costs to book in advance that's a prepaid ticket that's smart it's a prepaid ticket and then obviously if you get additional cocktails or wine or whatever you pay on top of that but i know for us they asked what wine we wanted in advance are they asking every table that books what wine they want in advance are they waiting for them no that is a standard part of their outreach you know uh do you have any allergies the menu in advance. And the reason I asked that, the reason I picked champagne for us is that I didn't know the menu that we were going to have. I didn't know if it would be seafood forward, uh, meat forward, vegetable forward. So I picked champagne thinking it would pair as well. So that's maybe a tiny little bit of critique. It would be hard to pick your wine without knowing what your dishes are going to be. Well, I mean, the menu, the menu is on the website. Uh, The wine list is on the website. And of course, once you book the reservation, they'll correspond with you. I mean, they're very proactive in terms of their outreach. You know, are there food allergies? 
do you have any, are you, are you celebrating a special occasion? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So that's how the, the outreach about, do you want to pre-order any wine came? And, you know, I, I, I sort of recognize that this is beyond the means for a lot of people, but, you know, just like I'm never going to pay the money to sit courtside at a Rockets game or for the very best theater or symphony tickets. You know, I think people who have the means and appreciate the style of dining, again, there's just nothing like this in Houston right now. We all miss uh, pass and provisions. The pass, you know, kind of for me was the last tasting menu concept that had a lot of validity and it's nice to have another one that we can choose from. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Any other final comments about March? No, I think a lot of people will definitely check the box at least once to see what it is and experience it for themselves. And they should. Right. Uh, Let me just, let me just put it to you like this. Do you think you'll go back for this menu? Do you think you'll go back for a future menu? I will go back for a future menu. Probably not for this menu unless one of my closest friends who you you know as well comes into town she definitely wants to check this box so if she comes into town during this current menu i will absolutely go back otherwise i'm going to wait to go and experience the next iteration of it but i will definitely hit the lounge um and i'm kind of curious as how the lounge is going to work now that the restaurant's open i don't know if you can walk in or book a reservation for the lounge but i'll, I'll be back soon enough well, I, I can tell you Alex DeGranza has been posting on Instagram that they are accepting lounge reservations from 9.30 on, at least on Fridays and Saturdays. I guess follow, smart. follow him on Instagram to kind of stay current on all that. But yes, so you could go and have, if nothing else, you can have the experience of those really elegant cocktails, that really pretty room. I don't know if they've developed like a separate bar menu yet, but I, I have a feeling if you show up, they'll find a way to and you want some sort of snack, they'll find a way to feed you. I like it. All right. Mary, that does it for the restaurants of the week. Before you get out of here, is there anything going on we should know about at Avondale Food and Wine? Well, now that we're kind of somewhat on the normalization on the other side of COVID, being double vaccinated, we have gone back to weekly wine tastings. Uh, We highlight a different producer each week. Uh, Last week, we highlighted Whitcroft from Santa Barbara. Uh, This week, we will be highlighting on Friday from 6 to 8, Matthiasen Winery from Napa Valley. They make a lot of great uh, cabs as well as rosés and vermouths. So we will be highlighting their wines this Friday. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. And I'll be right back with Jonathan Benno. I am joined this week by Chef Jonathan Benno. He recently opened Cafe Leonelli in the Museum of Fine Arts Houston's Kinder Building. Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. I I always kind of like to start at the beginning of a chef's career. Can you tell me just a little bit about how you became interested in the world of professional cooking? I started working in restaurants when I was 15. Uh, I had a friend in high school whose brother and sister-in-law ran a restaurant. It was called the Oxford House. It was in Oxford, Connecticut. And uh, I started washing dishes and peeling potatoes and helping them out on the weekends. I worked at a couple of other restaurants in high school. And then when I, when I finished high school, when I was 18, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew that college, I knew I didn't want to go to college. Uh, and the only job skill I had was restaurant work. So I had an opportunity to move to Hawaii from Connecticut. And I spent about two and a half years out there, uh, I worked at the Hard Rock Cafe. I worked at a fine dining restaurant called the Black Orchid. Uh, I'll put a timestamp on it. The, a lot of the guys that invested in, in the Black Orchid were involved in the TV show Magnum PI. Uh, and then I also I worked on a cruise ship for a while. And it was in Hawaii that I realized, okay, 
I want to pursue this as a career. So then I came back east and I went to the Culinary Institute of America. And then when I graduated from the Culinary Institute, well, I, when I was at the Culinary Institute of America, I did my externship at a, a huge resort down in West Virginia called the Greenbrier. And then came back, finished school. When I was in school, I was working at a place called the Mayflower Inn uh, in Connecticut. Uh, the chef there, John Farnsworth, really encouraged me to go out, uh, continue to travel, and continue to uh, continue my education through working at great restaurants. You know, he always said you've got to you got to work for great people in order to learn. So I took his advice. I moved out to San Francisco. I worked at a restaurant called Aqua down, which was right in downtown San Francisco, for Michael Mina. And then after about a year and a half at Aqua, I had the opportunity to take a prep cook job at a, a brand new fine dining restaurant that was opening in Yachtville, California. Uh, and that restaurant was called the French Laundry. And that was really, I guess, a, a springboard for me. Uh, had a tremendous impact on my career. Uh, I worked there for about a year and then moved to New York. I worked at restaurant Danielle. I worked with Tom Colicchio at Gramercy Tavern and craft. And then the opportunity came up to be the chef de cuisine of per se in the time Warner center. I went back out to California for two more years to prepare for the opening of per se. I was the chef de cuisine at per se for six years. After Per Se, I had the opportunity to open a fine dining Italian restaurant in Lincoln Center with the Patina Group. And then about five years ago, started working on the, uh, the restaurants that we have in New York, Leonelli Bakery, Leonelli Restaurant, and Benno Restaurant. We opened those concepts about three years ago. And shortly after those concepts opened, our financial partner is based here in Houston and is on the board of the museum. And so when the idea of the kinder building came up and when the idea of food service in the kinder building came up, our financial partner uh, presented to the board, you know, listen, we have this concept in New York. I think it would be perfect for the museum. And after <laughs> a lot of negotiation, uh, the board decided yes. That's, that's the concept that we want to be the, you know, kind of the all day casual offering at the museum. All right. So I, I, I definitely want to talk about what you're doing at the museum. I just want to backtrack just slightly because obviously, you know, the French laundry, you know, if you did a Mount Rushmore of American restaurants, I think that might be on the list. People know, craft because they know Tom Colicchio from Top Chef, uh, Per Se, Thomas Keller's restaurant in New York, three-star, another three-star Michelin restaurant. I mean, what do you, what do you sort of take from those experiences as you're building a career? Um, how do they sort of guide your culinary philosophy now? There were a number of things that, that really resonated with me when I started at the French Laundry gosh, it was probably 25 years ago. Uh, and, and those principles remain with me today. And that's cleanliness, organization, discipline, sense of urgency. You know, we're, we're making focaccia and, and scooping meatballs here. Um, but those, you know, those fundamentals we're trying to impress upon a young team here. You know, commitment to quality of ingredients. You know, the, the ingredients at Cafe Leonelli are pretty humble, but, you know, I also work with Steven and the team over at La Table, trying to, trying to refresh that concept in restaurant. And so, you know, sort working with local vendors, um, trying to source ingredients locally and use them in our restaurants. I think is really, really important. Yeah. So, I mean, how much have you sort of learned about 
Texas and Houston and, and what are maybe some of the, the vendors or the ingredients that have particularly impressed you? Well, we, we work with Magnol Bakery over at La Tab. I think his, his breads are incredible. Uh, Lone Star Mushrooms, that's a, uh, a company that cultivates mushrooms right, right outside of Houston. Uh, there's a, there's so many great breweries down here, but we discovered, we discovered one relatively new one, new Magnolia brewing company. Uh, we have a number of their beers here at the cafe and at, uh, La Tab. uh, it's the, is it the Houston milk maids? It's the dairy maids. Sorry. Dairy maids for cheeses, uh, working with them on cheeses from cheeses that are produced in Texas, local beef. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other, some of the other vendors that we're working with locally, uh, you know, sourcing, sourcing Gulf seafood, you know, trying to get the, the best shrimp, the best red snapper, the best grouper we can get. So it's really taking advantage of, you know, the incredible products that are available down here. And, you know, honestly, there's a learning curve there. Like I really, I have some friends in restaurants and have uh, met other chefs who have been incredibly, you know, generous with their time and suggestions and, re- and recommending vendors. Uh, Aaron Blue Dorn over at Blue Dorn is a friend from New York. Bobby Matos uh, over at State of Grace and La Luca has been really, really helpful. Uh, just met Chris Shepard for the first time recently. Uh, so, you know, great, great community of chefs down here as well, and all, all of whom have been really welcoming. Yeah. So let's talk about. Cafe Leonelli, I mean, you are sort of the casual option for the kinder building. So it's cafeteria style, it's grab and go, but, but maybe tell people a little bit about uh, what you're serving and what they can sort of expect from that experience. It is counter service. Uh, you know, guests enter the space right away uh, in the morning. You know, we have all the breakfast pastries laid out. So from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., we do a selection of Italian and American breakfast pastries, obviously coffee. Uh, there's a few savory offerings. Right now we offer oatmeal, yogurt, and a couple of egg sandwiches. And we'd like to expand that offering as, as business grows. And then from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., we offer house-made focaccia with toppings, uh, sandwiches that are made on focaccia bread. And then we have a selection of hot, ready-to-serve foods. So some classics that have been very, very popular thus far. We do chicken cacciatore. We do meatballs. There's lasagna, eggplant parmesan. And then a few side dishes, uh, braised greens, polenta, roasted Lone Star mushrooms, and everything's priced a la carte. So if you come in and you want to have the chicken cacciatore with the polenta, no problem. Uh, lots of, you know, vegetarian requests already. So we're, we're, we're well set up to, to satisfy those requests with the, the braised greens, the polenta, the mushrooms, the eggplant parm. We also have uh, a ribolita, uh, vegetable soup, a few great salads. Uh, it's a nice shrimp salad. So, you know, the goal, the goal is to be accessible. It's a very, uh, we're discovering a very diverse clientele that, that passes through the museum every day. You know, the museum was closed today. We thought it was going to be a sleeper and it was, it was really busy today. So I'm, I'm really, I'm thrilled with the, the communities around the museum support of the restaurant. You know, I think there's 500 people that work here on the museum campus and they've, they've been coming to the cafe. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you have a sense of, 
whether or not people are coming just to experience the restaurant or whether it's primarily museum visitors? Well, today it was folks that are coming to the restaurant and we saw a lot of neighborhood people that are, you know, introducing themselves. Uh, there were several large parties from, uh, of museum staff that came in today. And there's always, there's always something happening here. Like there, there's a big film crew here today, uh, filming at the museum, they pass through for lunch. It's just an, it's an incredibly busy, I don't want to call it, a, I don't want to call it neighborhood, but uh, the, the museum campus and the surrounding neighborhood uh, were our guests today. We'll see, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens tomorrow. The museum's still closed on Tuesdays, uh, but then we anticipate being really, really busy again, uh, starting Wednesday with museum patrons. Thursday uh, is free admission at the museum and it's open late. So we'll stay open until 8 p.m. on Thursday. Right, so that's your sort of dinner for people who maybe can't get to you during the workday. Um, that's really their shot to come try the restaurant. Yeah. I mean, our, our goal is to extend the hours of operation in time. I don't think the cafe will ever be open until like 10 o'clock, like a proper, a proper restaurant. Um, but I could be wrong there. Uh, but I do think we have an opportunity, uh, to capture some business early, early dinner. You know, there's beautiful outdoor spaces here. So maybe like a, some kind of happy hour promotion down the road with, you know, focaccia and salumi. Now, those are some of the things that we've, that we've discussed with the museum already. Right. And then you have a couple of other concepts at the museum. There's a, a dessert concept and then a, a fine dining concept. And a Yeah. So the, the dessert concept frozen is an extension of the, the service counter at Leonelli. Uh, our pastry chef, Salvatore Martone, uh, has one, has one frozen dessert concept in Miami. This will be location number two. And then there's a team down here uh, led by Alain, Chef Alain Verzoli, Chef de Cuisine, Andrew Ayella, who will be opening uh, Le Jardinier. So that's a, a fine dining French restaurant that'll, that will open, let's say in the next four to six weeks. And, and kind of what is... Uh, Le Jardinet like because it it I, I was I've been reading about it and it's it's described as sort of vegetable forward but I don't I, I'm not quite sure how that manifests itself. I don't I don't want to speak too much to the concept, but the sadly there's there the original Le Jardinier in New York is still closed. There is one open in Miami, and I do know what. Alain and Andrew are working on is they're trying to source the best produce they can find locally, uh, showcase that on the menu. But, you know, the, of course there, you know, the, of course there will be meat and fish. You know, there's a very interesting non-gluten bread program uh, that they serve at the restaurant. So I think they, they want to bring vegetables I don't want to sound corny, but to the center of the plate, but there certainly will be, you know, meat and seafood garnishes and main courses. Right. And, you know, as you were saying, I mean, the, the hospitality group you work for, the Bastion Collection also operates Latab, uh, which many people know Correct. on, on Post Oak. I, I mean, you've, you've only been in Houston for a little bit, but you know, compared to New York, which has, you know, been shut down for the most part, Texas has been relatively open. What kind of opportunity do you see here in the city or, or, or how do you sort of assess um, maybe how the two cities are different from each other as you're sort of encountering diners? Well, you're right. Sadly, sadly, New York is still, uh, still very quiet. Um, and doesn't a lot, you know, we're going to lose, we're going to lose a lot of bars and restaurants there. Uh, Houston has, Houston has navigated this differently. Uh, restaurants are, restaurants are open. I think people are, 
people are definitely going out. Uh, you do have you do have the benefit of space here. Restaurants are larger. Uh, people drive people drive here. Obviously, uh, restaurants have beautiful outdoor spaces. Restaurants have the ability to open windows. Uh, so it is it is a little bit different. But you know, I started I started coming down here in November when uh, I helped Stephen and the team at Latab get reopened. And I, so I've been learning about Houston and, and the restaurant scene here. You know, I think Culture Map and your Instagram has been a great tool for me to learn about the Houston scene. Incredible restaurants down here, uh, incredible chefs. But it just seems like there's such a, people love to go out to eat here so much and do so so frequently that. I think you're right. I think there is demand and there is tremendous opportunity here. Uh, <laughs> believe me, we have our hands full at the museum and uh, getting that concept going. But I would love to, you know, I'd love to consider another, another Leonelli concept here, uh, you know, perhaps a, closer to the Leonelli restaurant that we have in New York, like a, a proper you know, traditional sit-down restaurant versus the service counter. But, you know, as we develop that service counter idea and uh, refine it, who knows? I mean, there could be, there could be uh, the opportunity to do another concept like that. Right. I, I know you mentioned you have existing relationships with Aaron Bludorn and Bobby Matos or are there any restaurants you've dined at in Houston that have particularly impressed you? Uh, I've been to I've been to La Lucha three times now. Uh, I was we were there last night with the the team. I, I really it's such a fun restaurant and the food there's so good. You know, State of Grace, Blue Dorn. Uh, please remind me. It's Chris's mom and dad's name, I guess. Oh, it was Georgia the James Steakhouse. I can never, I can never get that one right. Uh, Georgia James, I went to recently. That was incredible. Uh, Nancy's Hustle. I've been to Cultivare. So you're getting out a little bit. You're experiencing the city. It sounds like a little bit, a lot, I, a lot less, uh, a lot less these days. And you know, I haven't, I, I haven't even scratched the surface of all of the different ethnic restaurants that are here. You know, we went to, I guess in the, in the Bel Air area, we went to uh, a, a Chinese seafood restaurant. Uh, maybe Hike, maybe Hike Kang, maybe Arco. Hike Kang, is it Hike Kang like seafood market? That sounds, yes, I think so. So we went to Hike Kang. We went to another Vietnamese restaurant out in that area that does a seven course beef tasting. Uh, Saigon Pagalak, I believe. Yep. So, you know, I, I wish I had more time to, to check, you know, to check out and learn more about all of the incredible, you know, out, I don't want to say out of the way they're out of, out of the way for me because I don't know my way around, but, uh, <laughs> and I don't have a car. But yeah, learn, learn more about, you know, all of the different uh, cuisines down here. Right. Someone's got to at least make sure you get crawfish at least once before you, you head back east. It's on the, it's, it's on the list. All right. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like Cafe Leonelli off to a, a strong start. You've got to be feeling pretty good about things right now. I do. We have, uh, it sounds like staff, staff is an issue for everyone down here. You know, we're struggling finding finding staff uh but yes other than that you know the museum team has been incredibly supportive the community both the hospitality community and the neighborhood have been really supportive so i would agree with you you know we are we're off to a, we are off to a great start we have a lot of a lot of hard work and a lot of heavy lifting ahead but so far so good and then you you did mention that you you helped get latabri open i mean um, from your perspective, maybe how's that going and, and 
Howard or Steven and uh, oh man, that's so embarrassing. I the Maitre D who's like the best front of house person. Valerio. Valerio. Thank you. Valerio Lombardozzi. Yeah. He's wonderful. You got it. Uh, they're doing, they're doing well over there. Bus- business is growing. You know, they have that, they have the beautiful patio in the bar area. Uh, they've picking up a lot of uh, private events in the upstairs room for, you know, this is now graduation, getting into graduation and wedding season, you know, May and June. So they're, they're very busy there, thankfully. Well, good. I mean, Jonathan, that, that brings me mostly to the end of my questions. Is there something I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? No, I think we, I think we, we talked about Cafe Leonelli a lot, uh, really provided a lot of detail on the concept. Uh, thank you for, for taking the time to, to speak with us. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Jonathan Benno, what is your favorite ingredient? Calabrian chili paste. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Aerosmith. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. The Shake Shack count? Doesn't have a drive-thru, at least not yet. Ah, uh, Chick-fil-A. That, that'll work. Um, what is your, I asked I ask Houston chefs who their favorite Houston sports figure is. So who is your favorite New York sports figure, past or present? I, I'm from Connecticut, so can it be New England? Absolutely. Tom Brady. No-brainer there. And then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Uh, sausage and hot pepper with extra crushed red pepper or Calabrian chili paste if they have it. Spicy. I like it. All right. Give us the, the website and, and all the information for Cafe Leonelli. Instagram at Cafe Leonelli. Website. New York were LeonelliRestaurants.com. Uh, used to, um, it looks like you're just cafeleonelli.com. Uh, on you stump, ca- I think, yeah, you stumped me on cafe, cafeleonelli.com. All right, Jonathan Benno, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Please come see us at the museum. Absolutely, I will be there very soon. Take care, Eric. Thank you. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.